If you have your Bible with us, turn me up there, you guys. If you have your Bibles and you can turn me down just a little bit. You know, I, I've actually thought about this, and I'll tell you a little bit about it. I think sometimes my wife would like to hear me laugh. Just a tiny, tiny little laugh. Okay, then. If you have your Bible, let's hold it high and be proud that we have the Word of God. And here's what it says. Let's say it together. This is my Bible, God's holy Word. I will make it a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God, who is Emmanuel, who is God with us. And what a beautiful name is the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, A lady waited until the last minute to send her Christmas cards. She rushed into a store and bought a package of 50 cards without really looking at them. and, And then she rushed home, signed and addressed 49 of them without really looking at them. And then on Christmas Day, when things had quieted down somewhat, she found a leftover card and finally read the message she had sent with the 49 other cards to her friends. Much to her dismay, here's what it read. This card is just to say a little gift is on its way. Here's a new product you might want to consider. The Upside Down Christmas Tree. How many of you have seen those in stores? And uh, the creator says the unique seven-foot pre-lit fur is inverted to ensure a smaller footprint for less spacious areas and allowing more room for the accumulation of presents underneath. If you need this, just go. It is at Home Depot. Christmas shopping, though fun, can be difficult. Did you hear about the guy that bought his wife a beautiful diamond ring for Christmas? A friend of his said, I thought she wanted one of those 44-wheel drive vehicles. She did, he replied. But where am I going to find a fake Jeep? Amid everything that Christmas season is in the world around us, concerts and cards and trees and gifts and progressive dinners, which was an amazing time last night. And um, did you enjoy it? Praise the Lord. So it was a great time. But with all that stuff going on, I just want to bring it back to Jesus, because this is truly the reason for the season. This is the reason why we are here. So let's talk about Jesus. Let's think about Jesus. Let's remember Jesus. And let's celebrate Jesus. So what is Advent? What does it mean to us? Advent is really anticipating the returning of Christ as we anticipate his birth. And then we also anticipate uh, his death and his resurrection. But Advent is a time of preparation, not just for Christmas, but for the coming of Jesus. The celebration of Advent is more than a memory of Jesus' birth. It is also a realization that he is what? That he's coming again. There will be a second Advent. Are you ready for him this Christmas? Are you ready for Jesus coming again? And if you have your Bible, turn with me, if you would, please, to Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And I will not be reading out of the New Living today. I'll be reading out of the King James Version. Um, It's it's. It's funny because when I, when I always, always do the correlation of Christmas and try to bring it out and make it relevant, I don't know what it is. There's, there's just something that you have to, that resonates with your childhood, almost like a tradition, when you say things like, for unto you is born this day. In the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. 
Now, we don't speak the Elizabethan language, but I like when he says, Frenchie is born this day. Every narrative, even Charlie Brown, as we do our candlelight service and the candles, and I mean, he walks out there on the st- stage and they, they quote, you know, uh, the Christmas story. And it's just, there's something just special about it. But um, let's look at Luke chapter 2, verses 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone in his own city. Tax actually means everybody needed to be registered. And uh, I've lost my my place here because my fan just blew a page over here. Here we go. And uh, in verse 4, And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called... What is it? Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and the lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Because there was no room for them in the inn. Let us pray. Father God, we love you and we thank you, Lord, that we get this great opportunity to talk about just the glory of our Savior. So, Father, we thank you for the, the shepherds that, that were able to experience you for who you are, who you were, and to see the glory and the light and the love of the Lord. And so, Father, we just thank you that today we get to, to feel your presence here with us because you are Emmanuel, that you are with us. And so, Father God, we just love you and we thank you that you'll hide me behind the cross. Lord, I pray that as I explain the glory of God, that those in this room will be able to understand it and and resonate with it and understand the experience that goes with uh, the peace that comes with the glory. And so, Father God, we love you. Thank you for the word. Help me to explain it and to express it as you would. And so, Lord, I love you. I thank you for this Advent season. And, Father, we thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. like in that text where it says that there would be a registration and yet we realize you could can you just turn me down in the manger just a little bit thank you and even though there was a decree that went out and there was registration that had to take place and we understand the trials and tribulations that were going on it still went straight in and it said that Mary had a child and they wrapped him in swaddling clothes. They laid him in a manger. How many of us can say in this room that we have sensed, we have experienced the glory that's out there, the glory of the Lord? You know, one of the, the funny things that people will say to me is, um, Todd, you're always remembered because they say things like, glory! <laughs> and the reason why they laugh and they say that is because that's when I see if you're starting to nod off, I'll just shout it. Because you need the glory of the Lord, if you know what I'm saying, brother and sister. Anyhow, I'm just kidding. And uh, so I've, I've shouted that or I've, you know, I've kind of added that in, in in my message. But I love to hear that we see the vision of Isaiah for the latter days. Days yet in the future. And this is not a man-made utopia. It is a God-made thing. Isaiah called the Messiah the Prince of Peace. 
which is that that brought peace through Jesus Christ. Luke says in his word, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, the goodwill toward all men. In another translation, it says peace among those with whom he is pleased. What does it mean that Jesus brings peace? So if you'll look with me in verse 8, it says that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by the sign. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Verse 13, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill. Toward all men. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So in verse 16, it says, They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherds' story were astonished. But Mary kept all things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. It was just as the angels had told them. Point number one, glory in a field. Glory in a field. In this passage, you'll notice that the word glory is pointed out three times. First, the angel appears and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. This conjures up images for us as a bright, shining light surrounding the single angel and shining brightly down on the shepherds. We imagine them shielding their eyes while looking up to the sky trying to see who is speaking. Although we see the Christmas cards and we notice the paintings all have the angels flying in the sky. But if you'll notice, that is not what the Bible is saying. It says that the angel appeared among them. Angels in Scripture appear in human form, subject to the same laws of gravity that everyone else is. So I'm pretty sure that even here, even now, God is not up high in the sky and out of reach. Sure, a bright light from the sky would be scary. We would wonder about aliens coming to abduct us. But this this description is closer. The angel appeared among them. And the actual word for that means to stand by. And then it also says, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. What strikes me about that is how close it really is. It contrasts with the wise men who follow a strange star high up in the sky. Not really sure where it is leading, so they stop for directions. Disappearance to the humble Rough shepherds is far more personable, tangible, close, and yet surrounding. Here the radiant glory is in your face, and the first reaction is what? Fear. It's quickly dispelled by the angel who tells them he has not come to destroy them. Even though perhaps 
they were immediately mindful of the many things they had done that they knew were wrong. Rather, he had brought them what? Good news to a people. There's something here about glory that we need to know. It is tangible. It is experiential. It is not often it is until we go searching for it and creep up on it at our own pace and in accordance with our own courage and comfort. Instead, we see the glory of God appear suddenly overwhelming out of nowhere, and we see it reassuringly when he says, Do not be afraid, for I bring you peace. And as if this one angel was not enough for the shepherd, suddenly he is not alone. And it says in verse 13, that a vast host, the armies of heaven, these aren't golden-haired flying ladies with shining, smiling faces and clean white gowns. Surprise! These are warriors. It's an army. And again, right among the shepherds, right in the middle of them, warriors, surely with swords and bows and arrows and shields and armor. And this massive army is praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And the Lord says, peace, goodwill toward men. The specific word used by the angelic army to praise God gives us the second occurrence of the word glory. They are saying glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is well pleased. These are familiar words to us in the story. But what do they actually mean? What are the angels actually saying here? And what does that tell us about glory? One of the first things is perhaps the most apparent. They're excited about what God has done. And so we're giving God the glory. As you will see the shepherds do in a moment, they're saying, this is awesome. Praise God. Glory to God in the highest. It is a word to convey great excitement and how amazing God is, how he is full of glory. But notice also that the word glory is paralleled by the word Glory to God in the highest is parallel with peace on earth. The glory of God translates to peace, not terror. Are you following me? I'm building up to something here. And this is true for us as well. Experiencing the glory of God does not produce fear. It brings peace. And then we notice the final word for the use is glory, of glory is seen after the shepherds go to Bethlehem and they meet Jesus. Verse 20 there it says, the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard, all they had seen. It was just as the angel had told them. So now we see a reaction to the experience of God, which is to give God what? Glory and also praise. So we see the correlation there. This is also true for us when we meet Jesus, when we see the things that God has told us become reality. Our genuine and generous and overflowing response to God is one of worship. Give God glory as we praise him, right? So so as we looked into the, to the scriptures here, I'm going to just kind of emphasize a little bit about the word glory and, and understand that many times when God shows up, I really believe that in our Christian lives, we, we start to lose a sense of, is that really God? And then we question, is God real? God is real. And if you've experienced God in the right way, my wife always says, and this is her phrase, when you experience God, 
Say that again. I don't know that you've seen God until you've experienced him. Awesome job. You don't experience God until you experience the glory of God. So last evening, um, Joanne and CJ, they had an opportunity to be able to share um, life of, of fear, life of uncertainty. And uh, Joanne, give us video one. We all know CJ and I cried. That's mom and son. And they gave both a perspective of what glory means in their life. That was their journey. You know, how is it they came through it. I walked up to CJ this morning and I said, you know, we're going to talk about peace. And I just have a question for you. In the loss of your brother, where did you find peace? So he started to tell me. I said, good. I'm glad you're going to be a part of today's message. And uh, so I just want to expand. If you'll go ahead and kind of ex- share what you shared with me in regard to peace and understanding God. Uh, I just didn't. Uh, he gave me an understanding of where his day came from. He's like the biggest tragedy of my life. And I still didn't know till I knew. You know, and I truly didn't even feel a peace. And uh, I love Jesus Jesus said, you never experienced God to experience God. And that day that May 24th, the last time I remember crying, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I knew exactly what it was. Mm. And I never experienced that before, but I had it right away. Amen. So I knew his, his, his mercy and his love and his grace and his grace that was just showered upon me. And I felt this peace inside of me that changed everything. so much that I uncontrollably weep. I am in this trap house in the middle of the hood, and I am crying like a baby, mm. crying, and mm. I can't even hold it in. I need God. That's so good. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. Awesome. That, that, that moment in time, I didn't ask for it. I didn't Isn't that great? I just, I accepted it. I knew what it was, and I accepted it, and I kind of mentioned last night that uh, he was the director of the Alpha House. One of the best things he ever told me, he was like, I've never had somebody take a microphone away from you. The moment you dropped it, because I knew it was God's fingerprint on my life. It was right. his chance to give me that, and I had to take everything and make the most of this because it's all about him. Amen. <laughs> it was him. Right, right. Amen. So here's what he saw was, thank you, CJ. You may be so he experienced the glory of God. Did you hear what he said? You can't experience God until you experience God. And, and many of us, we journey through life and we go to church and we're like, oh, today's so great. They've got it decorated and we're going to go in and sit down and sing away in a manger and hark the herald angels sing. But I want you to just stop and understand the depth of the glory of God just through him. The depth of his love just through his word and through music and through worship. And when we can, when we can sing a song that says, what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. You know, since he was our rival. He was the one who, who was there who fought with us. And when God came down in the form of man, who was Emmanuel, right? God with us, which I'm leading up to, we realized that there was. Who was around him? The angels of the Lord. And it said a host. It wasn't just your, your little buddy patting you on the back. It was the glory of God that was there that they experienced. Why? Because shepherds are out in the field, they're lonely. They're not out there sipping tea and having coffee and everybody's saying, come over out here in the field, I've got to watch over my sheep tonight. They were lowly shepherds, is what the scripture says. I always find it interesting. Why didn't God use somebody other than CJ? 
interesting to me because here's the way I look at this. God could have used a baptism and said, I'm going to use that man there because he has a voice for millions of people. But he loves you and this is your heart and your soul and your life. And he showed his glory to you because he knew your voice would be a voice that could reach millions of other people too. That's God. In Ryan's life, if, if, we, if I go through the room, we all have a story. Joanne shared her story as a mother about her son. Where she experienced the glory of the Lord. What are you saying, Pastor? How does this work out? I mean, how, how do we bring this out in the manger scene? What I'm saying is that God used a shepherd. He'll use you as well. Sometimes we think, oh, we're just not good enough. Or that's just not our calling. Or maybe that's not our gifting. But that's not true. In reality, God wants to call you. God calls the, quali- the unqualified, and then he qualifies the called. He wants to call you to be great for him. I love when he takes somebody who's a little boy who had a speech impediment, couldn't say his R's, and he stands in front of people to present his word. What an honor. But, but more than that, I want to see and sense and feel the presence and the glory of Almighty God. I don't want to get up here and just orate a message. I want to get up here so that people can feel and sense God's glory and the closeness of Jesus. Point number two, the closeness of glory, the closeness of glory. The thing that sticks out to me as I look at this again is how close everything is in this story. The angels appear right in the middle of the shepherds. The shepherds go right to Jesus' crib. That sounds like something from the hood. Every time I read this and I wrote it, I'm like, that just sounds like. So, so the shepherds go to Jesus' crib. And undoubtedly, they stroked his cheek, tickled his toes, caressed the soft hair on his head. And uh, maybe they held him close for a few minutes. The experience of the glory of God was not hands-off. It was not at a safe distance. It was not part of the normal day-to-day existence of a shepherd in the time of Jesus. It was extraordinary, yet completely tangible, completely close. These men experienced the touch of the glory of God and responded by giving God the glory. I have experienced the glory of God. And now it's up to me to give God all the credit for all that he has done. This journey for me from a little boy saved at nine, baptized at 13, called to preach at 15, surrendered, knowing and understanding what my role and call was. Your call with God is irrevocable. But no matter what he does or how he shows up, he wants you to give him all the glory. See, that's the way it's supposed to be. The movement from the awesome God in the Old Testament, whose glory is terrifying, to the God in the manger whose glory is touched this point here. The movement is deliberate, intentional, because God wants to be close. God wants to be experienced. God wants for us to experience his glory because God knows we will be ever so much better off having experienced him. Can you imagine the shepherds? One shepherd went and told another shepherd, and it wasn't just that one singular thing. It was plural. It was a host. They were soldiers. They were armies, and they could have been so afraid. And yet he said, don't be afraid. I bring you good tidings of great joy. Now go share it. Follow where Jesus is at so the world will believe 
You know, it's so neat because God took that shepherd because people will question that shepherd. What saddens me is that even in this time, in this world, we're questioning still the power of God. Is he coming back? Have we justified our actions? We as a church are justifying. We're accepting things that are abnormal as normal now. Let me tell you, the only thing that's been consistent for thousands and thousands of years is the word of God. And unless we continue to pour our life and to lean on his word, we will lose sight of his glory. Are you with me? So we see the closeness of glory. Now we need to experience the closeness of Jesus. The point is quite simply this. I don't know if you feel that, if that scares you or excites you or unnerves you, but it's God is close. And in fact, one of those same angels appears to Joseph in a dream and said to Jesus, and said of Jesus, and they would call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. He is not off in the sky somewhere shining a bright light from heaven. He is not swaddled in a manger halfway across the world. He is not sitting on top of some high mountain. God is close. God is here. God is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Amen? This is the simple message of Christmas, spoken with actions and experience still today, that God is with us. We love this uh, label sometimes, don't we? God is with us when the alarm goes off in the morning and we smack the snooze button. God is with us when we roll out of bed and rub the sleep from our eyes. God is with us when we hop in the shower and brush our teeth and put on our clothes. God is with us as we ram some breakfast in our mouths on the way out the door because we're running behind because we hit the snooze button too many times. God is with us through the morning in the middle of each decision we make, each bit of work we do, each person we encounter. God is with us at lunchtime through the afternoon on the drive home as we make supper, as we choose how to spend our evening, as we choose what to look at on the TV or computer screen, as we relate to family and friends, and even as we turn out the light and put our head down on our pillow at the end of the night, for he is Emmanuel, and God is with us. Here's a truth, men. It doesn't matter whether or not you say you love Jesus or not. That emotional response is subject to a whole complicated, interesting bunch of miscellaneous people. And sometimes it is special and wonderful, and other times it is But in the end, it doesn't really matter whether or not you feel like God is with you because this is our God. God is with us every day. This is just amazing. Here's a thought as I wind down my message. The, the better question is this. Perhaps the question is, are we with God? Are we on his side? Are we waking and living and interacting with others and making choices each moment that places us firmly and clearly with God? Are our choices and actions, in fact, demonstrating that we are mostly with ourselves, pursuing our own ideas, our own desires, our own pleasures, living how we please instead of how God pleases? that he is always here. 
and he offers to us a life that is completely and totally vibrant and alive and exciting and purposeful. One that even in the midst of whatever difficulties arise finds joy and finds peace and finds strength. He offers to us life that is so much more than what we experience when we pursue our kingdom instead of pursuing the kingdom. But the cost is this. That we need him. That we accept the God of eternity in the form of a human baby boy who would grow to be a man who would then die and rise again. The cost is that we recognize that glory is not earthly power or wealth or earthly pleasure, but rather glory is God becoming human to die for you and for me. The passing of my father was 11 years ago. As we experienced the glory of the Lord in that room, the passing of my stepfather was one year ago as we experienced the glory of the Lord in that room. And many that are in this room experienced the glory of the Lord through the passing of George Nisha in our sanctuary back on Sunday this past week. And many of you can say, but... You know, I've never really experienced the glory of the Lord, and I don't even know how that even feels. What is the glory of the Lord? Yes, Pastor, you explained it, but I've never felt it. I've never seen it. Well, I'm here to tell all of you, here's the simple truth. That when Jesus came, and they said that they will call his name Emmanuel, God is with us, God is for us, he's fighting for you. He is with you. In his scripture, says he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He is walking with you. Do you believe that this morning? Back in 1986, a young man walked into a lunchroom. And he, he started to approach me. And as he approached me, he walked up to, to where I was eating and says, do you mind if I sit down here? Well, sure, I don't mind. We've been friends for years. And he said, I have a question. Here's my question, Todd. And I go, okay. Why is it that all you do is preach the word to other people? What is this about this God thing and this Jesus? you got to remember, I'm a sophomore. And he said, you know, I, I saw you. We've gone to school together and... And, and I know you, you exhibit Christ. And back in the day, John's here, he can probably attest, I was a little preacher boy and uh, probably really strict, but I had a message to share. I wanted everybody in my student body to know that he is Emmanuel, that he is God with us. And so I looked at this young man, and, and his name was Todd, and I said, Todd, here's the story. You see, as a 15-year-old, 16-year-old guy, this is how I've experienced Jesus in my life. It hasn't been something fake or superficial. It hasn't been something that's just been, you know, uh, you know, I go to church and they, you know, they pound the Bible over your head and I get beat up and walk out feeling lower than dirt. That's not what it was about. I started telling what Jesus, who Jesus was, and how there's life and there's hope in the Savior, and His name is Jesus Christ. And so I said, Todd, listen, 
this is how you can experience it. He goes, yeah, but in my life I've had all kinds of trials and troubles and tribulations. And I said, yeah, but the Bible also says be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. And this young man, as, as he was looking at me, just puzzled and just lost and empty. And he said, you know what I did last night? I said, well, what did you do? He said, I put the satanic star on the, on the floor and I lit these candles and had this seance thing because I was looking for something. You know, I'm having problems with my parents and moved in with my girlfriend, but I, I was so afraid that I, it, was, it was awful, the feeling that overcame me, that I wanted to jump up. I'm like, I felt presence and things that weren't, weren't real. And I'm like, no, they were real, brother. <laughs> the enemy's real. You dance with the devil. You play with the devil. You'll perish with the devil. And so I looked at him and I said, Todd, I'm going to tell you something. Don't you ever do that again. If you're looking for peace, if you're looking for hope, You've got to find it in the one true living God, and his name is Jesus. And if you'll please just come to him right here, right now, you can accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Well, what's every teenager going to do? They're going to look at me like I've lost my mind. We're in the lunchroom, and I'm looking at him going, you can accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So right there that day, now, I come from the 80s. And back in the 80s, we had really cool hair. These kids right now don't even know what cool is all about until you grew up in the 80s. I mean, we had, they didn't even have gel for this curly head mop. And the women and the girls, I mean, we, they had, it was like an umbrella shield on their forehead. Man, it came clear out to here. I loved it on my wife. And then, and then they would pull their hair up and it would even go even bigger. And then they're bigger this way. I mean, you had to be careful. They had to wear signs that say hazardous when they were walking down a hallway. It was rough. But, but 80s was a cool time. And, and so there was Todd who was in this rock band. Man, he could sing. The two Todds were known for singing. You know, I was the preacher boy. He was, he was out there. He had hair that was Bon Jovi, and he rocked that hairstyle. I'm just saying. We know that, right? Tracy's sick today, or I would say sis, right? And uh, so people used to kind of make jokes that he was Todd the hair, I was Todd the nose, because I had a long nose, you know. But see, now that I've gained weight, my nose has shrunk some. Now you guys don't notice it as much. And, uh, but, but reality is, you know, I loved him. And so it started our journey, and we got together with another guy by the name of Stan, and we started a Bible study, and he started coming. And he accepted Jesus Christ that day right in that lunchroom. Isn't that awesome? And so throughout our journey, Todd and I have stayed friends, and we both go different. We're, we went down different paths in life, and, you know, I, I would disciple him next couple of years, and he and I were in West Side Story together, and we were all in plays, John and I, all, all of us. We had a great time. And this past week when I received a phone call in the morning that Todd had passed away, it was such a surreal moment for me that I was actually at uh, one of our cleaning accounts, and my brother had called and said, Diana had just called me, and I'm like, wow. You know, so I, I just stood there, and, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to process everything that went on. And, and how do you process something that, you know, as a little boy, you thought, is this really important? You're 15, 16 years old. Is really the message of Jesus Christ that important? 
But church, I'm here to tell you that all the trials and tribulations that my dear friend went through, we've kept in touch all these years. You know, I watched him as he journeyed through some hardships, through divorce, through remarriage, through divorce again, and, and then he would play in this band, and he just couldn't get grounded. And so I woke up two nights ago after this, and get my composure, and because uh, I've never lost a childhood friend, and I've never lost somebody that was so special to me. And, and so as Todd and I would talk, and it was so great because he put me through theology class 101, because he was looking for a, a God of peace, a God of hope. And so you guys have heard me talk about Todd in my messages before in some of our conversations that we've had. And so with all that being said, I, I stood there, and Ryan was there as well, and Ryan walked in, and I told him what was going on. And, and that night as I woke up, I started just reliving some things that I've had through some of our conversations. And it was like in the middle of the night, I woke up at 2.45, and about this time it's 4.45. And I thought to myself, I don't think I will ever really know Ryan again. I walked out into the hallway, and the moment things went wrong, and the moment things got bad, and the moments of loss, of husband, of a son, of a brother, of a sister, that were with me. And that you offer peace when we never feel the sense of peace. And so I've, you know, I've talked to Diana. We've, you know, gone back and forth. And they're having a memorial service coming up here December 29th. And, you know, as I was laying in bed, and many of you don't know that, but I've wrote eulogies by poetry, and I've written them over the years. And I started in my mind in the morning thinking, how could I again give a message of hope that if Todd were to come back, he would say, this is my buddy Todd, and he has a message for all of you to hear. And so in my mind, I thought, Todd had never thought of me that way. And he wrote the last sentence of your best friend. From the very beginning when he was just a kid, he was an old ornamental tree, never meant to be cut. And so I started thinking some things in my mind, and I shared with my wife this morning of some of the things that, that I experienced. And, and I want all of you to know, and when you feel abandoned, when you feel lonely, when you feel that God isn't with you, take heart. It's not just child. I am going to, I am Todd, your brother in the Lord, your pastor, your son, your husband, your father, your friend. And as I'm, as sure as I'm standing here, I know God is real. And I'll tell you why. Because just this morning, God said, somebody's showing up from, from school. I didn't know John was coming. And when he walked in, and I'll tell you what happened. As I was sitting in my chair, I said, really? Really? I mean, that was my thought. I'm like, this, that's just coincidental. Why would anybody ever show up? And I want all of you to know that God is with you. That he is Emmanuel. And right there is proof because he spoke to me this morning and I walked right up to John and go, John, you're not going to believe this. I thought about this this morning. Not him, but somebody who I love that John said, man, I need to be here. I'm glad I was able to come. And so church, when you feel like those moments where nobody's around and you feel alone and you feel empty and you feel like, man, I have nobody in this. And I know it's hard this season of Christmas. It is difficult. 
But I want you to know that God is with you. And the glory that's out there is the glory that's in him and he's with us and among us. He's fighting for us because he loves you. And if you've been fighting, you know, a hang up, if you've been fighting a hurt or a habit, maybe you've been fighting depression. Maybe there's been things in your life where you just feel like, man, I feel like my prayers aren't being answered and things aren't happening well. I'm here to tell you that God is still alive and he's on the throne and he is still speaking and he's using his church to move cities. That's our responsibility. So I stand up here today to say that Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, is here, inviting, offering, holding out an incredible gift to each of us. What is that gift? It's the gift of himself. So what are you going to do with it? Christmas is about Jesus. And the season of Advent is about us preparing to meet and welcome and follow Jesus. So this morning I ask you, what are you going to do with it? And as hard as it is, I was talking to Ryan and my buddy Mitch. We were in West Side Story, and Mitch was a lead. I was a lead. Todd was a lead. And um, he called me up on the phone, and, and Todd's first words were to me. He said, how are you, Todd? Yeah, Mitch's first words were to me. And when Mitch called me, I didn't, it was, we were talking, Ryan and I were, and he called, and I was explaining Mitch and, and the dynamic of how crazy he is and how different he is. And if you've ever met my buddy Mitch, he's the one who gets overzealous. He comes with different stuff. You would know he's crazy. And the words that came out of Mitch's mouth was this. How did somebody like you end up with so many crazy people like us? I said, because I faced without Jesus, I would be just as crazy as you. And that's the difference. I have Jesus. I have God who's with me, who's fighting for me, who's journeying with me. And church, this Advent season, he's with you. He's journeying with you. He's for you. He loves you. He, he cares for you. And I hope and pray that if I get the opportunity to go to Florida and be a part of this memorial service, I want to stand up and say, oh, let me tell you about a God who is for Emmanuel. Our message needs to change. This Advent season, prepare the hearts to follow Jesus. For we have a message to share, a message of peace that says glory to God in the highest and on earth goodwill, not to some, but to all mankind. Let's stand. Father, we come before you with every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord, we just, we just want to say, Lord, we worship you and we thank you that we can come into this place with an outstretched arm and a grateful heart, just praising you. And so today, Lord, we know that you are God with us, that you're for us, that you're fighting for us. And that it doesn't matter if we're in the valley 
where, where we feel lonely that you are the lily of the valley. It doesn't matter if we're on the mountaintop, where we're close to the sun, where it's warm and, and things are going well. You are still the God of the mountain as well as the God in the valley. And Lord, we realize that when things go wrong, you'll make them right. So God, in this room, for those that feel empty, may they just kneel before you as those shepherds did. I believe that those angels were there and they did the same thing, identifying that you are God, that you came, you journeyed, you died for us, but rose the third day victorious. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you that that Jesus gets to sit at the right hand. And Lord, that we get to experience you in your fullness. God, for those that have suffered loss, oh, I ask that your hand, that your arm would be around them, that you would comfort them during this time. God, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we ask that you would be with us. Father, I thank you that in the turning point, so many people here. we feel lonely, that you're with us, and that you help us. So this week of Advent, God, may we experience your peace that passes all understanding. May we exemplify that this week in our workplace, with our family, with our, with our loved ones, with strangers. Let the world see somebody here today they don't know you as Lord and Savior God I ask that you'll just impress upon their heart to come today to accept you Lord we honor you we praise you we exalt your name and all God's